Get ready to rock radio, music you want to hear. What about your own music then in the 1970s? Was the one event or situation where, you know, it was um, what we might call a break, you know, um, you've been presumably working away and then, you know, suddenly there was an event that uh, moved things up a notch, really, Jeff? Well, I think when I, when I first moved to London from music college, I graduated from music college, so I was probably about 22, something like that. I think that was the sort of time when, you know, it was sort of obviously a lot of people around London making music, and um, uh, it was a make-or-break thing for me. I think that, you know, I was answering a lot of ads in Melody Maker because that used to have the back page there was uh, Musicians Wanted, and so there'd be all sorts of ads for various things. And I think that the real thing that changed it for me was I answered an ad for... Um, a pop band that wanted a keyboard player and so I went along to the audition and um, I borrowed a, a, a synth, a Moog synthesizer that, um, a mini Moog from a friend of mine that I was working with so I took that, that along to the audition um, and it, it was actually a, a disco singer who had a number one hit called Tina Charles at the time disco um, a sort of disco act and it just so happened that Trevor Horn was putting a band together. Uh, I went in there and did the audition, and he said, yeah, okay, he said, you've got the job. And I said, well, you know, uh, how come? You've got other guys to see. He said, no, no, because you bought that synthesizer. He said, that's really cool. <laughs> so that, that was it, really. So that was a, that was a, a kind of a life-changing moment, because from that point on, um, we did a few tours with Tina, and then... Uh, she had um, she had some kids and went off the road and and I, Trevor and myself started to work together on in the studio doing various bits and pieces writing stuff um, producing all sorts of different people um, Trevor normally was the guy producing and I was the guy who was providing the music uh, and so we that's how we built up our studio technique in a way was because we started to i started to try and get sounds that sounded like an orchestra out of all these um different types types of keyboards and he'd start to get all these production effects together and really i suppose the bungles kind of grew out of that uh to the point where when we did the demo of video Kirby radio star which he'd written most of it with with bruce Woolley, and then he brought me in to, to do some final things on it um, we we started to take that around. You know, we did the demo, which which didn't sound that different from uh, the final uh, recording. Although there were you know changes we made in the middle and stuff, but essentially it was the same kind of thing. It had the radio voice and all the rest of it. Uh, and actually, Tina Child did the backing vocals on it on the original demo, uh, and we took it around and we got rejected everywhere. Um, we took it. I remember we said, well, we, we we physically used to go around all the record labels in those days where you'd actually go and see the A&R guy and you'd play the music to him um, and he'd go, yeah, no, it's not really for us that, you know. So we, we got rejected by everybody apart from um, I sent it via my girlfriend at the time who was working at Island Music and we'd already been turned down by Island Records 
um, anyway. But I said this via my girlfriend at the time, and she played it for her boss, who said, this is really good, I'm going to send this over to the States. And sent it over to the States, and Chris Blackwell, the head of Ireland, for some reason happened to listen to it. And, and he called them up the next day and said, you've got to sign these guys. And so from being a couple of guys that were just jobbing around the place, all of a sudden we got signed to Island Records, uh, they signed our publishing, we signed us as producers, um, and and then we got cracking and got started to make the uh, the, the album. Yeah, and it, it, the the number one, which we've referred to, Video Kill the Radio Star, that was Island Records, I think it was their first number one, wasn't it? That's right, it yeah. was their first number one, and they'd had... They'd had about ten number twos before that, you know, Roxy Music and Traffic and all sorts of bands that they used on the label and uh, Bob Marley and the Wailers. And, uh, but yeah, that was the first one. And it was funny because Chris Blackwell didn't like the name The Buggles. He thought it was a stupid name. Huh. And we said, no, it's got to be that because it's a spoof of the Beatles, you know. Mm. It's like the sort of artificially studio prepared version of the Beatles. And he... He said, no, he didn't like it. So they, they tried to drop the off, the off the front of it and just call it Buggles. They thought that was better, but we said, no, it's got to be the Buggles. And he said, as you did when, when, the, when the song went to number one, um, he sent us both a telegram which said, um, I always thought the Buggles was a great name. <laughs> so, uh, well, he would do, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it was, um, that was a great, great time for us. I mean, it launched... You know, not not only myself and, and Trevor, but you know, it, it set us on on a whole career path that um, you know we, we've we've been doing ever since. Get ready to rock radio. Are there any projects uh, that you've that have given you particular satisfaction, Jeff, over the years, even if they haven't been particularly you know successful commercially? Let's say commercial success is obviously nice. You know, you get um, you know is this thing that reaches a lot of people but at the same by the same token I mean some of the the other projects that I've done particularly some of the side projects with um, the people like Greg Lake um, Glenn Hughes uh, John Wetton on the Icon project um, you know th- these are, are sort of musical exercises that that really uh, something that comes from the heart rather than trying to exist in the constraints of the commercial world. Um, and, you know, I think that that helps for a much more natural progression of music and, and getting your ideas across. Uh, and, you know, it reaches, it reaches the people who would appreciate it. And, and I think that's, that's all you can expect. You know, I think that um, one of the problems we had with Asia was because that first album was so successful, and the expectations were so great to not not even parallel it, but to overshadow it, uh, certainly by the record label, um, you, you become a, a bit of a kind of a, uh, a shire horse, you know, uh, and you're not able to get your own music out there. And I think, you know, the beauty of the, you know, the situation that I've had over the years is being able to work with all these um, iconic people, you know, as I said, Greg Lake from ELP and, and John Wetton from King Crimson and, you know, 
Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple. You know, these are the bands that that I grew up on. You know, and these were the bands that, um, you know, I I was in in full admiration of, um, particularly the bands that I mentioned because they all had very much a keyboard uh, presence in those bands, and um, and so it's been you know over the years it's been a real privilege to be able to work with the, you know all of these people. And what about any opportunities uh, that you've maybe turned down? And when you look back, you think, I should have done that. Um, have there been any sort of uh, situations where maybe simply through maybe scheduling, you know, because you've been so busy with Yes and Asia? Not really, no, because I, I think that, you know, I've always had a fairly full diary and all of these bands, really, all the bands I've been involved with have all had a kind of natural... Uh, full cycle and uh, and certainly um, coming back into yes was a real um, you know was a great thing for me because it you know it was almost like it had gone full circle from from when I first joined them in 1980 and, and had the opportunity to come back in um, four years ago uh, and I think also when we got the opportunity to put the uh, reunion together with Asia again you know back in 2006 uh, that was again something that uh, I think we all felt that we, you know, we'd maybe not done enough, you know, and in, in, with the original band. I mean, it, it was there were only really the first two albums that that had the whole original lineup on. So it was it was nice to be able to go back and go back in the studio with the original lineup. Um, do a lot. We did a lot of touring, particularly uh, from you know 2006 to 2011, um, pretty much solidly. So, you know, all of those aspects, I think, really have helped me become, you know, uh, more appreciative of, of being in those bands. I mean, even down to uh, certain, the, the, some Buggles reformations that we've done over the last few years. I mean, they did a, a show with Trevor earlier this year where it was more to do with his production, but obviously, um, you know, we're, we're very much back in the saddle Doing, doing what we do. So I think that, you know, going looking at all these things that I've done over the years, it, it's, it's nice to know that they're still, they're still viable and, and still ongoing. Yeah, and you don't feel in, in all this time, well, you know, in your long career, there's been any particular occasion when you've had to pass over an opportunity and then, you know, I mean, what you're saying really is that it, it, things have come full circle almost now, haven't they? And you've yeah, got... I mean, I did have one one opportunity, which may or may not have been a, a good thing, was that I was asked to join Foreigner um, at a time when they were really, you know, they were really huge. And, uh, you know, I think they just had the Foreigner 4 um, and, and the follow-up album, which, got a call from their manager at the time, a guy called Bud Brager, and he said, um, uh, well, I spoke to Mick Jones, and Mick Jones wants you to join Foreigner. And at that time, we just started rehearsing with with Asia. And I said, well, I'm sorry, man, you know, but I, we, we just formed another band. And the guy said, that's never going to go anywhere. No, believe me, he said, this is what you need to do. You need to join Foreigner right now. <laughs> um, and I said, "Well, no, sorry, I can't." <laughs> so I suppose that was that was the one that, that got away. And um, uh, so, 
but aside from that, no, most of the other things, I, I think I've, I've, I've sort of lived the dream in many ways. In retrospect, how do you feel now about Foreigner? Because obviously they consolidated, you know, over the years, and they, they, they've actually reformed in, in various shapes and forms, haven't they, in recent times? Yeah, I mean, they... they um, I always loved their music. Again, you know, I think there was that very, very strong songwriting element. Uh, and I, I do favour bands that have generally got that at the core, and I think that, you know, if you look how how many hits they had, and, and uh, their, their whole catalogue is, is, is full of real kind of evergreens, you know, um, you know real gem songwriting stuff. Uh, and I think that, um, certainly from my standpoint, I would have enjoyed playing that kind of material, but it was really just the the, the timing of it that, that didn't, um, you know, didn't, didn't fall into place. Yeah, and most, I think most observers would say, well, you haven't done that badly. Asia, yes, you know, uh, dipping in and out and all the rest of this. And, I know, uh, and then the other thing being, I think, that, 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 that those bands, you know, I, I, I was very much a contributor as a writer. I think if I'd been in foreign, I would have just been playing somebody else's parts, you know. There's a lot to be said for playing yourself and, and playing your own material. And certainly that's why I think Asia is very close to my heart, particularly because I was there at the beginning uh, and was a significant contributor um, in the writing throughout and, and the performance. So I was really playing myself in that. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, the, the, the Yes albums that I've done, I felt that, you know, Drama and uh, Fly From Here and um, you may like to know that you can hear a full-length Jeff Downs special feature and more of that interview in October 2015 uh, shortly before the release of that Downs Braid Association album. You can follow the link to our Mixcloud page from GetReadyToRockRadio.com the homepage. That also gives you access to a whole range of special features, interviews and show highlights and uh, in addition to the Jeff Downs Hour Special you can also catch up with his uh, musical partner Chris Braid also chatting in an hour special at our Mixcloud page. Thank you for listening.